Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. He's a Grammy-nominated and award-winning 12-time multi-platinum musician as the lead singer of the rock group Skillet. Um, But he's also a strong Christian who's rebelling against relativism in his book, Awake and Alive to Truth, uh, Finding Truth in in a Relativistic World, (laughs) okay? Um, And and, uh, and his hit podcast, Cooper Stuff, which is really cool. I've listened to some of your uh, podcast stuff. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely great. And and one of the key topics relating to our current culture is that absolute truth does exist in the Word of God and that we cannot build emotions or um, on relativism. That's a quote from uh, the book. But can you join me now? Uh, yeah, we're well, here in person. I, I have to tell you, in this we're at NRB, and I have to tell people that because there's ambient noise, and usually because of COVID, I've been doing a lot of remote, so I yes. don't actually look at somebody's face. So you show up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the black leather jacket, it's the tattoos, it's the. This is not the picture of the t- typical uh, theologian, right? Yes, that's right. And you are yeah. one. You're not yeah. just a, a rocker who knows a lot about, you know, Jesus. You are, you really know your stuff. Ah, oh, well, thank you very much. That's, that's nice. It, I, I definitely don't think I'm a theologian, but I do love the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I study the Bible and I study what other people say about the Bible, um, as well as uh, cultural things, you right, know, whether we're right. talking about political philosophy and, um, and I like philosophy in general, uh, understanding how all these cultural forces are working mm-hmm. and uh, I shouldn't say working, I should say how they are affecting us on such a deep, deep level. Uh, I have two teenage kids. My mm-hmm. kids are 19 and 16. So I'm looking at them. I'm looking at their friends. I'm you looking look like at the world. You look like you're 16 yourself, by the way. Oh, I just, I, I, I'm just like, Whoa. Oh, oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, all of that going on, I'm thinking, okay, how does the gospel of Christ... Um, what is the, I should say, how does the gospel of Christ affect the world we are in today? Mm-hmm. There has to be answers. I mean, the chaos we are seeing, it's just insanity. And it gets weirder by the day. So those are the things that I feel quite passionate about. This book you've got, The Awake to Truth, how did this come about? And, and, and I, just tell me the background. Sure, I'd love to. I mean, I think the background for Awaken Alive to Truth was this. Around 2012, uh, my band started in 1996. Mm -hmm. So I started playing on the road full time um, 25 years ago and was playing Christian music. It is hard rock music. We spend about 70% of our time in the, what I just say, just the rock world. Mm -hmm. All right. That's we played with Aerosmith and Metallica and all the rock bands, you know. We spend about 30% of our time in the Christian uh, music genre touring. And so around 2012 is when I began noticing 
noticing that things were changing in the world. Mm-hmm. The language that people use, the language was different. That's when I first started really? hearing. Yeah, like people think saying something like, "Well, she shared her truth, oh. my truth, you know, mm-hmm. your truth." Mm-hmm. I started noticing this. I thought. I just thought I was getting old. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm old. And all the young people have some new cool way to say what I believe. I don't know, you mm-hmm. know. And, and But I started noticing in church as well. So pastors were saying things I didn't understand. You started hearing things about diversity, equity, and inclusion, social justice. Mm-hmm. And I started going, what do these words mean? I, I'm hearing them so often. We're all kind of repeating them. But at the same time as that's happening, there's this, it seems like a disbelief in absolute truth. Mm. And so that is when I began, started reading a lot, studying a lot, listening to what people are saying, asking a lot of questions. And so eventually it led me to, 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 to really feel that I was getting a handle on what's going on. This is a long story. I'm almost done. <laughs> but I remember I finished a book by Shelby Steele. Um, Shelby Steele's a fantastic author, social science, mm-hmm, philosophy, mm-hmm. I guess you would call him. I finished a book that he read in 2016 and I looked at my wife, it was in bed and I finished it. I looked at her and I said, I finally know what's going on. I read about 150 books. I said, I know what's going on. We live in a culture that is post-truth. We, we don't believe there's absolute truth. Mm. We, we believe that everything is fungible. Everything is built on your interpretation. Her truth, my truth, it's all based on the way I feel, the way that I interpret my reality. And then I demand that everyone else fall in line with my version of reality. And that is a recipe for for chaos. I mean, that is devolution, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I actually, um, I gave a speech here on Monday night to the podcast group convention, and I I talked about kind of that same thing, that we've all all become kind of our own golden calves. Right. You know, it's the worship of self. It's the, you know, you're, you're exactly right on. My truth, my truth. So... Tell me about the moral relativism that you see in this world. You know, it's got to be, you've got to have a young audience out there, people Mm. who follow you. Right. Do they understand the concept of moral relativism? Mm, Great question. I don't know if they do or not. Now, typically what it should be, it should be the parents. (laughs) 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 The parents should understand it and should be teaching their kids in that framework. I totally agree with you about the golden calf. We want to be our own gods. That's all that really moral relativism is. It's that I want to be my god. I want to say what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I, w- I want to do. The reason that's so different than it was 20 years ago in the Christian, uh, excuse me, in the, not the Christian, in the entertainment world. Yeah. You know, when I was listening to rock music in the 80s and 90s growing up, it was sex, drugs, rock and roll. And that right? was kind of the mantra, yes. Yeah. Sex, sex, drugs, rock and roll. That was, that was the mantra. <laughs> and, you know, it was, that's what we might call hedonism. It was just a life of f- pleasure. And pleasure is the end of life. But what you did not see was you did not see those people. You didn't see Madonna mm-hmm. acting as if she was virtuous for that lifestyle of hedonism, right? You didn't see rock stars saying, I'm a good person because I indulge in sex, drugs, rock and roll. That wasn't the end game. That's where the changes come. So it's not just moral relativism today. We actually live in a, in a time where they say, not only is it okay for you to do what you do, whatever you want to do must be deemed virtuous by the rest of society. Wow. So let me give you an example. Like some people might hear that. It might sound too philosophical. L- let me say like, here's a good example. It is the difference between, say, Bill Clinton's 
abortion should be safe and rare. Right. And and the difference between the shout your abortion campaign that yeah, happens now. It's pretty scary now. That's a, that's a whole different animal, isn't it? So th- it's not the old, well, maybe we need to make an exception for A, B, or C. But now it has to be cheered as a positive good. It is a positive thing for women's liberation and for equity and all these things. That is where the twist has come. And I think that's a much scarier golden calf than just the denial of God's lordship over my life and for me to be my own Lord. Now yeah. I'm saying, actually, I'm a, I'm a really good God. It's wow. really scary. Wow. Now, you talk about the spiritual battle that 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 we're all in mm. and this whole idea that there is evil out in the world mm. and that there is a spiritual battle. Tell me about how you kind of, you know, bring that to, I suppose, your audience, but anybody. Yeah. What a, it's a great, great question. I think that w- w- the way I bring in my audience is this. There is a war happening. I mean, we're, we're seeing we Russia and, and Ukraine. Uh, excuse me, Russia has invaded Ukraine now. Yeah. I've been talking all day. Excuse me, um, <laughs> Russia invaded Ukraine. We all see it. We all go, "This is really bad." Uh, yada yada. But I think the place to start with the evil that's in the world is is the biblical understanding of evil. That there's evil in the world because there is evil in me. Right. We are born into sin. You you are, you don't have a choice. <laughs> well, you have a choice, except you'll always choose poorly. So you, you're born into it. You are not born good. Mm-hmm. And even within Christianity, there's a lot of churches wanting to go away from that because they think it sounds mean. Yeah. But in reality, it, it, it's the truth and it leads to the truth that sets you free. That's the reason Jesus came. If we were born good, we don't need Jesus to come and die for us because we can be good on our own. So that's usually how I start with people is understanding you are uh, born into sin. You do need a savior. People do evil things in the world because we all do evil things all the time. And, and that's kind of where it starts, you know? Yeah, yeah. The idea of this moral relativism, you know, people have been talking about it for years, and that's why I asked you the question, do they really understand what it is? Right. Because what I find is that, you know, when you talk about something like idolatry mm-hmm. and, you know, not worshiping idols, the mindset of most people is that, okay, there is a statue here. Yeah. <laughs> And that's my idol, right. and I'm not worshiping it, so I'm okay. Yes, right? yes. But this idea that idol, idolatry is anything can be an idol, like you, your looks, your money, your whatever it is. Mm. These are things that are hard to c- communicate with mm. um, a culture today. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, because I think it's really important, you're talking about um, the Christian elite on the left. Mm. This is this is a new thing that I that people that is kind of just brewing that mm. people are starting to identify because you're talking about the challenges from the church on the outside. Of course, we understand that. Yes. But then these are the challenges from the church on the inside. Yes. What's going on there? Ooh, that is that is such a deep topic and so very important. Uh, I, I will just say this about the idolatry thing. Um, so I did write this book you mentioned, um, "Awaken Alive to Truth," and the reason I wrote it was to explain. These sorts of biblical, um, they are deep theologies, Mm -hmm. but to understand them, uh, excuse me, to explain them in a simple way.
way for teenagers. So the book is really geared towards young people where they can understand. I have a, and I have a chapter in there called Tear Down Your Idols. And it's about what you just said. We think about this worshiping some statue. But really idolatry is, is thinking wrong things about God, adding things to God that aren't true, taking things away from God that we don't like, wanting to be our own gods. And we have, you can even, you can even make an uh, idol out of something that's actually good. You know, I love right. my wife so much that I, I care more about pleasing her than the Lord. Well, that's, that's a form of idolatry. So I do talk about those things and, and they are quite important. One of the idolatries we have of the day to day is wanting to please men. And what we have in the church now is that the, the popular culture, which is left culture, left, you know, big media, big tech, uh, Hollywood, celebrities, it's all in line with the same narrative that you that you have to have if you want to be popular. Right. Now what we have in the Christian elites within the church is they want to be loved by the world. They, they want to be friends. They want to make nice. And... I want to be I want to be nice, but I don't want to make nice, right? <laughs> so what we have now is this hyper um, leftist elitism that's starting, that is making them funge on truth. And I always say, I would have no problem if you if to these people if you just disagreed with me. I would say, hey, we can agree to disagree. We can go back and look at the Bible. Mm -hmm. We can figure out where we land. But but what they are trying to do, they're like attorneys. Here's what they're like. This is not good. They're like attorneys. When an attorney knows his client did something, but he still needs to make the case. Right. Right. You mm -hmm. still got to make the case. And he is willing to fund the truth a little bit because the truth isn't really his job. His job is to make the case. We have Christian elite pastors making a case and it's ugly. They are making a case for all sorts of things. They shouldn't be like for, for uh, the abortion issue is really the best one yeah. because yeah. most all Christians tend to agree that it's not good. Right. Right. And what they want to do is they want to make nice with the political left and they don't like the idea of. Uh, of, of saying that abortion is murder because it sounds mean and this that, and the other. Mm -hmm. So rather than just saying that and saying, guys, I still really care about abortion, but I really want to work with other people and I'm going to try to, instead of saying that, they start making a case that abortion isn't good, but also you guys, not having health care for moms is also not good. Mm. These are two equal injustices is how they try to hold it. And I don't think you can make a very good biblical argument for those being equal injustices. Right. Right. So that's the sort of leftist elitism that I'm seeing from within the church. I think they're doing it to make nice. And, and that is really ugly because I think of... I think of the Old Testament, I think it was the book of Isaiah, when God says to Israel, says to the prophets, actually, he's saying, all your prophets come in, they say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Yeah. And that's what I think of with these wow. people. Uh, let's take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with John Cooper, uh, lead singer of, of Skillet. And we'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we are back with John Cooper, who's the lead singer of Skillet. And one of the things we're talking about, and I think this is so important, and I heard this sermon once, and it talked about uh, the Apostle Paul's understanding of 
how most of us repress the truth of God's existence, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that he used, the, the, the preacher used the example of, you know, we know something is true, but, you know, they talk about, you know, either sociologists or psychologists talk about first order beliefs mm. and second order beliefs. Like at the first level, the fundamental level, we all know there's a God, right? Right. But we suppress that truth in order to come up with a viable second level truth that mm. suppresses the other one. Like, yes. for example, um, let's say um, I know. This is a kind of example. I know that this person stole something from me, but I love that person. I'm not going to, you know, I know there's other, I'm not going to believe that because I know there are other other reasons. There are other reasons for that, right? But every, every proof points to it. Hmm. But uh, the second order beliefs won't believe that because it's too hard to take. So they come up with another Hmm. excuse why this person, why everybody thinks that this person's stealing. Do you see this in your work in terms of how you approach looking at the culture mm. of this sort of second and third order beliefs, people suppress the truth. Right. Well, I certainly think um, on a slightly different tangent, but but it's similar. I definitely uh, agree with that assessment mm-hmm. from the sermon you're talking about. And I believe that I, it's in Book of Romans, and I can't remember where the passage is right now. It might They're just be I, Romans sorry. 1. Uh, but yes. So we should know the truth mm-hmm. because the invisible qualities of God are, are should be obvious to us. We, when we see the the sun comes up every mm-hmm. day and, the, and then the moon and the stars and, and the way things, his invisible qualities are made known to us, but we do suppress. And we, then we, but, but we also do that because we, as you said earlier, we want to be gods. So we form, I think the passage says, so instead of worshiping uh, God, we form images of birds and animals and we're back to the idolatry thing mm-hmm. and we're back to that i i want to do what i want to do i absolutely see that within what, what what's happening and and the effects of it because the effects of when you suppress truth you end up you end up being given over to delusions mm-hmm. and it doesn't just affect your spiritual life it affects it it kind of affects everything and so when i look at what's happened in the last few years with covid and pandemics and the people's reactions to things i'm just going this to me is the result of being given over to delusional thinking yeah. i mean we're ready to throw i mean we're ready to throw everything out and uh, I'm really amazed to see on a different level, we're not talking about, you know, politics right now or, or Americanism, but on a different level, even the, the, the lack of um, just the readiness to throw away Americanism and the, all the gifts that were given to us with liberty, yeah. religious freedom and freedom of speech. We're ready to throw all of those things away, too. Because we just, I, don't, I feel like something else. Wow. It's very emotional. So there's a weird kind of deconstruction happening within the Christian faith, as well as a deconstruction of Western civilization that's kind mm-hmm. of about the same thing. It's really a revolution against Western values and Christianity. I have to imagine that you must get a lot of questions from young people. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the most you know, common questions you get? Well, you know, because of what young people have been told... Most of the questions end up being, they, they really just seem confused to mm-hmm. me in a way. Now, I mean, everybody's confused when we're teenagers, right? <laughs> I mean, I know I was, yeah. <laughs> but they are confused in a way that we weren't, you know, not mm-hmm. to get like wild into like, you know, trans ideology and radical gender theory and stuff. But imagine the way we felt 
as mm-hmm. as as high schoolers and junior high school. Let's say junior high. Imagine the way that we felt adding in radical gender theory. Wow. There's no such thing as being male or female. It's all in your mind. It's all in your right. mind. It's right. in your this. And if you don't like the way your body is, that's fine. We have pills for that. Wow. We have a scalpel for that. You know, imagine being a kid and and growing up with this. Now at the age of five, you know, in kindergarten, they are hitting these kids saying, hey, listen, you don't have to be whatever you know, gender you are assigned at birth. You know, that's just what the doctor said. You can do whatever you want. You don't need to tell your parents. You come here and we will call you by a different name. Your parents don't need to know. That's not their decision. That's your decision. Wow. So these kids are being raised in this. So the questions that I'm getting are not about moral relativism, as you said. Right. It's not about idolatry. It's not even about like the Bible says a, and I don't understand why that is. It's more about who am I? Like, why am I here? Um, um, Do I matter? And if you think about it in, in the worldview, they're being brought up into, I mean, in my opinion, no, you don't because all it is is, it's just mm-hmm. an evolutionary, Darwin's evolutionary mess, determinism. You're determined to be whatever. It, it, it's a mess. And so it's almost like, man, I don't know how to answer a lot of these questions. So, yes, you do matter, but you matter because God matters. Right. I mean, that's right. the beautiful thing. If, if God matters, then you matter because you're made in his image. Now, now we're at something we can deal with. It's amazing that these questions are out there. And because I see the stories about, you know, children being taught about their gender identity yeah. and they, there's a lot of confusion there. And I think parents are very afraid because that lobby group is so strong that if they speak out, they start being ostracized and Mm. attacked as well. Um, This is, I think we're at a crucial point here. Mm. Um, And how do you push back against that? I mean, I want to hear some of the questions that the young people ask, you know, why, you know, why can't I, why doesn't the Bible say, you know, I can be a a man if I'm born a a girl or why doesn't I, do you get those kinds of questions? Um, Sometimes I do, Mm -hmm. but I find that a lot of the times what's really going on, I'm trying to think of what the literal questions are. In other words, sometimes I'm not being rude about young people at all, No, no. but but what they're saying doesn't make sense. So I don't, I don't really know what they're, I don't, I don't remember the words that come out of their mouth, but what I hear behind the words is just like utter confusion, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it's more like, well. Well, who said it could be? Well, who says that I have to so and so be this or that or the other? You know, it could be that. It could be to do with with gender or identity, or it could be. A lot of people are also all looking. A lot of the young people are all looking for a victim status mm-hmm. because it's the only way they feel they can they can get ahead. Mm-hmm. And so some of this, you know, I was reading. Um, I just read something recently from someone speaking of this. I'm, I'm going off a tangent, but I think I'm answering your question or a lo- the most incredibly long roundabout way ever. I read a testimony of someone who changed their gender and even did like hormone, the hormone stuff mm-hmm, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then years later changed back to their original gender because they realized that all of this was a lie and all of this was in, it was into the fact that they didn't feel that they had any cultural power mm-hmm. they needed a victim status they didn't have victim status and if you 
become trans, you automatically have greater victim status than other people. And now you're special. And now you have an identity. Because identity is all wrapped up into sex and gender. And and for the most part, for, for... I don't mean that I think that. I'm saying that's what they are told. Right, right. So a lot of times what they're asking me is is really just, it comes out so confused. Sometimes I have to say, are, is what you're asking me this? And I try to frame the question in a new way. Mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. it's usually about in the end is, I don't know who I am and I don't know what right or wrong is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you are right. Parents are scared to death. The, one of the reasons parents are scared to death to say anything about it isn't just because they'll be ostracized, which they will be, but it's also because they are being told that they, if, if they say anything, that they are doing harm to their kids. Right. They're saying, you, you might be pushing your kids into suicide. That's, that's what they always say. They're going to kill themselves if you don't let them do this or this or this. And again, all of that is it's just, it's just a worldview shift goes back to Freud, goes back to the sexual revolution, and this idea that truth is defined for me in the inside. Right. And if somebody comes to you and your kid comes to you and says, a dad, your son comes to you and says, I think that I'm a girl. Well, if you say, no, you're not, then you are denying their truth. You are denying their existence. You are saying, no, you don't have any um, autonomy to be a free living person. They even they even use the language of, of slavery sometimes, so almost like that kid is almost like a slave, like somehow equated in the way that uh, that uh, that blacks were African Americans were actually slaves. They they connect it with this sort of way. In other words, they connect it to to such a to such a high volume that parents go, I can't possibly say anything about this because I'm I'm hurting my kid. So it's wow. a false, you know, I think most anyone over 40 years old would say, no, you can't compare the, um, the horrors of, of American slavery to telling your son that he's not a girl. But they are doing it at that level. Um, the, the, the academics are. Wow. They are pushing it like that. Parents are scared to death. But they can come to you then, right? They can come to you, right? <laughs> They can come to me, sure. <laughs> Go to someone else that's smarter than me. But but I find I do think you're right. We are at a crisis point. Yeah. I don't know what this is, is going to mean. Already in places like in Canada, they, it, it's, it, they've already made it illegal. So if... if, if my son comes to me and says, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl. And I say, no, you're not. Um, and, and I refuse to let that child take hormones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I can be I can lose my kid, you know, because we are in that is a um, form of child abuse. Wow. So and yet and yet down in Texas, the law that they're trying to pass that says if you, you know, alter a child, you know, the teenager wants mm-hmm. to have the surgery or whatever that make that child abuse. Now they're coming down on Texas for that reason. That's right. And some of that in Texas was a result of another case. I can't remember. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Something like that. That's right. And so we are at a crisis point. And so it kind of goes back, as you said, to the the golden calf and moral relativism. So who's going to say what's right? Is it child abuse to let the school change the gender and give hormone therapies to your child without your knowledge is that child abuse or is it child abuse for the parent to say no so the, the, the bible can answer these questions but if the bible isn't a our first thing right then then we are just floating in in, in a stew of chaos and everybody needs to do what seems right to this moral an- anarchism your bottom line is that there is a truth yes god's truth in god's word yes how did you personally come to that conclusion mm. 
that is my bottom line. You said it. You said it, baby. <laughs> That's the bottom line. There is truth. I mean, Jesus said it the best, of course. <laughs> Jesus said it like this. He said, there's, there's a man that hears my words and he acts on them. And he's like a man that builds his house on a rock. The storms come and his house is not shaken. But there's also a man who hears my words, does not act upon them. He builds his house on the sand and, and the storms came and great is the crash. Great is the destruction. Th that's really what it is for me. Uh, we're seeing that destruction play out right now. I think part of the reason that, that we've seen so much peace over you know, our lifetimes and over this so much um, incredible progress over the last couple of hundred years is that uh, even though we had all these incredible sins in American history, without a doubt, but our system of laws was based on Judeo-Christian ethics. And so even though we had all these sins, some of those we tried to recorrect, you know, as, a, as, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, like a, as a promissory note, mm -hmm. like that kind of great Frederick Douglass type language. Yeah, the ideas were great because m m many of them were built on that worldview. So for me, what, what, what made me... Uh, get to that conclusion is I've seen it work out in my life. My mom was a believer mm -hmm. and my mom taught the Bible to me ever since I was a kid. My mom was a Jesus fanatic. I mean, <laughs> Jesus fanatic. If the Bible said it, it's right. You don't question it. You do it. And uh, I mean, I kind of make a joke about it, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen in my life is when I apply the Bible to my life, it works. And when I say, no, I'm going to do it my own way. I, it, I suffer. I just yeah. end up in pain. I go, oh, wow, I guess the Bible was right about that, too. So I like to call that, I personally, I call it the flow of the kingdom. It's yeah. the flow of the kingdom. When you do what God said, you're in the flow, and you have order, and you have peace. Things go right with you. And then when you deny God's flow of the kingdom, when you push against the kingdom, the kingdom pushes back. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing stuff. Um, before we uh, before we leave, I, wanna, I don't want to keep you too long, but before you leave... Um, you know, what do you want young people to know? What is the most important thing? If you had your 30-second elevator <laughs> pitch, you know, to somebody who is not a non-believer, what would you say? A 30-second pitch. <laughs> this better be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, you've, you've really been asking me the questions that I would want to touch on. I do think that at the key of, uh, at the heart of this is, is absolute truth. Mm -hmm. a, a world of postmodernism is not good. What I would say to them is this. You have been told that you can do whatever you want to do, be who you want to be, look on the inside, um, make all your own decisions, and that that is going to give you happiness. Mm -hmm. I would just say, how is that going? Well, how's it going? I mean, we have the highest suicide rates in American history, yeah. the highest young uh, teenage anxiety, the most medicated generation of all of world history, under 25 years old right now. Um, self-reported loneliness at the highest rates. I saw a statistic recently that talks said that, that Americans are less happy now than the last 70 years. So you're talking about people that you're talking about families that lost people in World War II. Yeah. I mean, whose husbands went and died. Right. And then they self-reported the spouse, the, the spouse, the widow reported being happier than a young person in 2022. Something is wrong. So I would just say, how is it going? 
that moral relativism is not going good. Maybe you should try building your life on a foundation that never, ever changes. It cannot be shaken. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you get in line with what Jesus says, you are in the flow of the kingdom. And guess what you get when you get the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom of God. Wonderful. Ooh, I feel like starting to you preach now. I feel like starting to feel a little something, something. Preach. Amen. Amen, brother. Uh, John Cooper. Thank you so much. Lead singer Skillet, pick up your new album, Dominion, is it? Yeah, Dominion is the name of the new record. I go pick it up. A Skillet. My book is Awaken Alive to Truth. You can get that on Amazon or Audible. Um, if you're tired of what my voice sounds like, don't get audible because it's me talking. <laughs> and otherwise, uh, johncooper.com is my website. You can and find Cooper all my stuff, socials. Your podcast. Yeah, Cooper, Cooper Stuff Podcast. Yeah. Thank you. I forgot about that. Yeah, great. I'm, I don't know how I forgot about that. It's my thing. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I loved it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed, blessed day. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.